If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. Good to see everyone. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 1. I wanna, I've just titled today's message, uh, Things Change. Things Change. You know what? If you are involved in church and have been for a number of years, especially this church, you've come to know that to be very true. Things change. Um, I want to just talk a little bit uh, about last week when I invited um, all of you who would like to experience the baptism of the Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. We had four last week get filled with the Spirit. Is that powerful or what? It's just great. I want to thank God for that and thank God for um, uh, just pouring out His Spirit so freely. And so easily, uh, it's a beautiful gift, and I, I just thank God for it. Um, and I want to invite you to um, check us out on uh, our website, onecausechurch.com. And you can, uh, we have a podcast button there. Just click on that, and we have all of our messages free for you to download. I want to encourage you to use those. Listen to them during the week and uh, help continue to build you up and charge you and challenge you and grow you. That's what they're for. Amen? And so we want to help... Uh, make you healthy in, in, in the spirit and as well as your mind and body. And we believe that the sal- our salvation experience is for every dimension, dim- dimension, dimension of man, spirit, soul, and body. And his word is the answer for all of those dimensions. Amen. The scripture says that his word is life to those who find it, and it is health to all of their flesh. Amen. I'm, I'm grateful to God for his wonderful, wonderful word. Um, did I tell where to go yet? Acts 1. Good, you've been listening so far. Okay, Acts chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 15. Uh, but before we do that, this, uh, this pastor was called out to a nursing home um, to uh, perform a wedding. And uh, an anxious old man was, was met him at the door. And so then the pastor sat down to counsel him a little bit and talk a little bit about what was going on. So he asked him several questions. He says, well, do, do you love her? And the old man replied, I guess. And uh, he said, well, uh, is, she, is she a good Christian woman? And he said, well, I don't know for sure. And he said, well, does she have lots of money then? He said, oh, no, I doubt that. He said, then why in the world? If you, I mean, it sounds like you hardly know this woman. Why are you marrying her? He said, oh, because she can drive at night. <laughs> well, Okay. Acts chapter 1, verse 15, let's go ahead and go there. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of names was about 120, all right? So, 120 people. This is right after Christ is dead, buried, rose again, and ascended up into heaven. Now, Jesus, after he had been raised from the dead, he was seen by 500 people, uh, spent lots of that time with his disciples for about 40 days. All right, and then he ascended up into heaven, and he told his disciples to go and wait for the promise of the Father, which was the Spirit who would come, and then at that point they would be endued with power. They'd be witnesses um, from Jerusalem and, and on out. And so that's where they were. They had assembled together. They did what Jesus told them, and, and they had been spending some days praying together. So, And the Scripture tells us there was 120 of them. All right, So they're just getting... They're gathering going on. They're just starting to assemble and, and begin to look like the church, okay? 
They're praying, and then they, they ended up uh, in Acts chapter 1 also choosing the 12th apostle, re the, the replacement for Judas. And uh, they did it by real spiritual means. They rolled dice, basically. And uh, just, <laughs> that's, what, that's what casting lots is. It's basically just, they had it between two guys, and wherever the lots fell, they spun the bottle, and the bottle landed on a guy named Matthias. And they said, okay, you're the 12th apostle. Can you imagine? Jesus said that the 12 apostles will sit on 12 thrones and judge the 12 tribes of Israel. This guy is sitting on a throne because the bottle landed on him. That's amazing to me. How'd you get here? Spin the bottle, man. It's, it's great. Oh, really? And you're going to judge. Okay. <clears throat> I want to say this today. The God who changes everything is also the God who never changes. And so there are some absolutes about God, but then there are other things that are progressive when it comes to God and always changing. For one thing, our experience here on earth is one that is continually changing, isn't it? The scripture teaches us to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. That's a change by the renewing of our mind. So every day there are changes going on in our lives. If we're, if we're seeking God and we're walking by faith, we're walking by the Spirit, and we're allowing His Word to do its work in us, then we are changing over time. All right, That's what the whole life of the believer is about, is about change. And the church is the picture of that. The Scripture says that without vision, the people perish or they cast off restraint. Well, in the original, in the Hebrew, it actually says without progressive vision. So God's vision is one that is expanding and evolving and changing. And Jesus said, I will build my church, right? So that is a progressive vision. Building is progression. Building is increasing. Building is expansion. And so he is still at work in that, in that uh, project, that mission today, through us. We are his body in the earth, and we are right alongside him. I love that the scripture calls us co-laborers or co-heirs with Christ. See, it's not, I mean, for many of us here today, to, when, when, when you gave your life to Christ, you know, it would have been a whole new direction for you already to think that you could do something for God now. Now that you're in the kingdom of God, to realize that you could do something for him was really a, a big thought. But God didn't call us to do something for him. He brought us all the way up next to him and says, you don't do it for me. You do it with me. All right. We do this thing together. We're working. With that. Now that encourages me to know that I'm working with God and God's working with me. Now that's a project that probably not going to fail. <laughs> and the scripture says God is for you, right? And if God be for you, who can be against you? And I'm glad to be a part of something that Jesus Christ is building because he's a heck of a good carpenter. Huh? Amen. Amen. This says there were 120. So I want to just look at some verses here. I want you to see from the very beginning stages of the church, there was change going on. There was no time to get settled in on one way of doing business. All right? And... Um, 
and let's go over to Acts chapter 2 now. And at the beginning of this Acts chapter 2, the very thing that Jesus said would happen did happen. And the scripture says that there was suddenly a, the sound of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And uh, there appeared unto them divided tongues as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. All right, so this powerful thing's going on. But then there were all these other Jews, and the scripture says that they were from basically all the nations of the earth. And they're watching these guys do this, and they're going, what is this? They're confused. They're marveling at this because they could hear them all speaking in tongues, but they all understood it in their own dialect or their own language. It was an absolute miracle. Yeah. But then a little later on, you know, as they're all kind of wondering what's going on, Peter stands up and begins to explain because the Holy Spirit now was living in him, and now all of a sudden he had a new knowledge. He had new revelation. He could, under, he could make sense of things that weren't making sense to the natural mind. But by the Spirit teaching him, he stood up and said, This is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days I'll pour out of my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and so on and so forth. And then he ended up going right into the life of Christ and says that this Jesus whom you crucified, for a while, Peter was really upset about the fact those, that the Jews crucified him, so he would always make sure that they knew they're the ones that murdered him. They're the ones that hung him on a tree, right? But he says, him, God raised up from the dead. So Peter just proclaimed the gospel to them, Christ crucified and Christ risen from the dead. And then in verse 40, look at this. In verse 40, how many, how many were there besides the other people? How many had been there so far in the church? 120. All right, now watch this. Verse 40, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Verse 41, then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about, wow, 3,000 souls were added to them, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and prayers. So the church, in one moment, grew from 120 to 3,120 people. Wow, I like that. I mean, that all looks good on, on paper here, but what a nightmare logistically, right? How are you going to handle something like that? That's, wow, all right? Because with growth and with change comes conflict, all right? Problems arise, especially in the arena of people, I just think it's God in his infinite wisdom decided to take people from all cultures and races and, and put them all in one building and says, now get along, right? I just love that. But here, 3,000 people are added to the church. Wow. So, I mean, they were a church of, 10, of 120 people for about 10 days. And then all of a sudden, one day, in one moment, 3,000 people were added to their membership role. Wow. Now, then by Acts chapter 4, let's go to Acts chapter 4 and look at this. This is just a couple of chapters later. And up in chapter 3, Peter and John had, had um, been walking by the gate beautiful. They were on their way to, to pray. And remember, they saw the lame man sitting there asking for alms. And um, as my sister once said, he didn't get alms, he got legs. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Peter said, silver and gold, I don't have silver and gold, but what I do have, that's what I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took the man by the hand and he pulled him up. And the Bible says immediately his ankle and feet received strength. And he went walking and leaping and praising God. Some of you that went to old school Sunday school know what I'm talking about there. They went, 
And so this miracle happened, and so now there's a stirring going on because they saw this man had sat there. He was lame from birth, 40 years. And now all of a sudden, this man's walking around. A notable miracle. All right? So this has stirred stuff up. However, in verse 4 of chapter 4, come over there. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. So now we're not counting everybody. Now there's so many people that they're just having to count a representative of a household. All right? They're only counting the men, and there's 5,000 men. 120, 3,000 to thousands and thousands and thousands. All right? I mean, if we're just going to go by a conservative figure, the man has a wife, and let's just say they only have one child. We're talking about 15,000 people. All right? I think that's a very conservative figure. So that's a lot of people, that's all I'm saying. And I'm trying to, as a, as a pastor, I'm looking at that going, that's exciting, but my gosh, that has got to be chaos. Yeah. Right? That has got, that has to be, where, where are they meeting? What building can hold all these people? How are, they, how are they making this happen? What is going on here? So I'm trying to, you know, figure out the other side of it, the administrative side of it, and which that just kind of bust a spring when I think like that. But it's interesting, though, that, that with all of the, and this isn't happening over a span of years. This is, we're talking about only weeks are going by, right? It's so rapid, and, it's, and there's just such momentum, and the church is just chugging along. And, and power and might and strength, and, but there's no infrastructure set up for it. Um, there's, no, there's no money stored up for this great revival that they're expecting to happen, right? I mean, they haven't been saving up all this money to resource what is coming. Now it's come, and now guess what they have to have? Resources. A friend of our ministry, Pastor Charles Neiman, says the way God has set it up is that money follows ministry. You can't wait till you have the money to start the ministry. You just got to start the ministry, and then the money follows you. That's just the way. I've, he said, I've asked God to change that, and he won't change it. <laughs> but these guys, they're, they're simply flying by the seat of their pants, right? They're just trying to hold on to what's going on. I can't even imagine. And, but you'll read all along, especially in verse, uh, chapter 4, uh, chapter 5, that something happened in the people that they're seeing this rapid growth or seeing all of this change going on, and it doesn't look like they're getting upset about it. They do something pretty revolutionary, pretty radical, actually. The Scripture says they started selling their homes, their lands, their stuff, and bringing the money to the church. I didn't think I'd get an amen right there, but I, I, I just thought, well, maybe one. They just started selling their stuff, Right? And the scripture says they would bring it and they laid it at the apostles' feet and then the disciples distributed to those people as they had need. And so they kind of lived communally that way. And it's, it's interesting, though, that the people caught the vision and you could tell they caught the vision because of the way they responded with their stuff. Hmm. Whatever they could sell to provide for this constantly changing, rapidly growing church, they gladly did it. They embraced the change with everything that they had. Now, let's go over to Luke chapter 12 for a moment. And this is Jesus speaking. And we're going to look at the, my dad would call it the Toys R Us version, the New Living Translation for a moment. Uh, and Luke chapter 12, verse 30, it says, Jesus is speaking. He says, seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. Anybody believe that? 
So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your Father great happiness to give you the kingdom. I love that. Verse 33, sell your possessions. I didn't get any amens there either. Okay, sell and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for, treasure for you in heaven. Now watch this. Ladies, you'll like this. And the purses of heaven never get old. How cool. Is, there are purses in heaven. For all eternity, you will be accessorizing. So don't worry about it. All right? I guess there are new malls to go to there. And, and the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it and no moth can destroy it. Isn't that interesting? That there's purses in heaven. There are things to put stuff in. So what we're doing here kind of looks like what we're going to be doing there. But this says there's something interesting about the treasures and those purses there. They never wear out. They never get old. They never rust. They never go corrupt. They never corrode. And now we, if, you know, you probably live long enough at this point to see that stuff here does do that, doesn't it? Right? I mean, you love that new car smell. You love the moment you get in that car. But then a year down the road, it smells like McDonald's French fries. Right? <laughs> it goes away. The new goes away. Everything gets old here. Right? Amen. And the scripture says, though our outward man is perishing, our, our, our new man or our inner man is being renewed day by day. So thank God we're connected by the Spirit to God, that we are spirit beings, that what we experience in this flesh is not all there is to life. Amen. So this, this, helps, this helps me. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, and he, and, and he attaches this verse this thought to seeking first the kingdom of God. That is, don't let stuff own you. Be willing to sell it, get rid of it, whatever. Be about the kingdom first. All right? Your treasure, now look at this, what he says here. Uh, the next verse, verse 34. For this, this is the part that stings a little bit. All right? Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also, or there your heart will be also. All right? Bless you. This is the, as a pastor, when I, I like to preach messages where I'm going to get good amen. When I preach on the grace of God, man, it's amen. I preach on the love of God and the provision of God and the blessing and the favor of God. But when we start talking messages like this about our money, man, it goes quiet. Right? Because these are things that we really need to think about. Because, you know, this, we, our hearts are tied to our money. That's just a fact of life. All right? Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, your heart is tied to your money. Yeah. Are you with me? Okay. Amen. Now, so then you can kind of tell where a person's heart by where their money is spent. Again, thank you for that. So God gives us a purpose then. He gives us a place for us to be able to take our goods and invest them and in, and in return get them again there, but in a greater way. We store up for eternal... I mean, what a sad thing it is, it would be for someone to come to the end of their life and have accumulated so much good stuff, but not have anything accumulated for the long life that's coming, the eternal life. This life is here and gone, and then it's forever, Right? So what are we really living for then? What are we looking for? 
we living for that day? Are we storing up stuff for that day? Because we have this one chance here and now to store up for there and then. Amen. All right? One chance. Here's your one chance. Fancy, don't let me down. All right? This is it. This is your moment. Right? And your days. Your days are opportunities to invest into that day. Amen. See, it's kind of interesting that today's church, as I told the earlier service, I'm not talking about one cause church. I have other friends who are pastors, and this is what they tell me about their people, all right? So you can relax. Unfortunately, lots of people give to the church in proportion to the services that they receive. In other words, what do you have to offer me, and then I'll give what I think it's worth? Now, you are supposed to aim in there because you're not that church. You are supposed to go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing. What happened to this thought? It's more blessed to give than to receive. Amen. See, the kingdom of God works completely the other way around. We give first and then receive. But the system of the world, right? You receive a service, then you give what you think that service is worth. But the kingdom of God is not like that. This is one that is fully trusting God, fully relying on Him, believing Him, having faith in Him, saying, okay, I'm going to give, and God will not be mocked. God has a law set up that what you sow, that you will also Reap. Amen. So your capacity then to receive is predicated upon what you give. Yeah. Right? Well, I just don't get, I, you know, I've heard people, I just don't get much out of church. Well, how much do you give? That's probably the problem. Well, I don't get much out of worship. Well, we're not worshiping you anyway. You're not actually supposed to get much out of worship. You're actually supposed to give worship. God's the one supposed to get something out of worship. Amen. Amen. Hmm. And I think about the things that people ask me about our church, and I'm trying to put myself asking the apostles these things as the church is growing, growing. So um, what, what ministries do you have? Or what is your five-year plan? What is, your, what is the vision? Hang on! That's our vision. Oh, God, help us. That's our vision. We need... That's our vision. What's your mission statement? Hang on. That's, again, it's, that's still our mission statement. It, it hasn't changed. But listen, so the, they're not standing back then scrutinizing what's going on in the church. Well, I, I don't know about that. Right? They're not threatening to give less if they don't like what's going on. They're fully invested in what's happening. Right? And that's the life of the believer. That's the risk of being a believer. The risk of gullibility. The risk of being gullible. The risk of, of being naive. Huh? Change is risky. Change means stretching. <sighs> change means things are different. But change means if we could see it as something really good. Change is opportunity. 
It means that we're not going to get stuck in one way of doing things. That's why we really believe and love our kids' ministries here, our teenagers and our our children. I love the way they worship God. I love the way that they seek God. I love the way that they do what they do because it's a little different than I do it. But I was different than the way my parents did it. So were you, right? The message is always sacred, isn't it? We never change the fact that Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again from the dead. That's always the truth. That's the, that's, that's the rock, the anchor of our, of our belief, right? Because Paul said, hey, if Christ isn't risen, your faith is futile, right? He said, and it, of all the men on earth, we're the most pitiable if he's still in that grave. But then again, Christ is risen indeed. That means our faith is real. Our faith is alive. Amen. Our faith is pertinent. And God is with us. So when it comes to change, how do you respond? Now, I'm from Oklahoma originally. My wife would like me to just quit talking about that and, and not bring that up about myself. But it is a fact of life. And when I was growing up, my grandfather taught me about Balin wire, that it had a magic about it, that it wasn't just for hay. It was to hold all kinds of stuff together, car parts, Amen. hold the door on the house, tie up the dog, <laughs> all kinds of things to do with Balin wire. And then um, we went down out to West Texas and got in that Spanish culture out there, and they all used duct tape for everything. Duct tape was you know, along the same lines as baling wire. And then a redneck's dream came true called the zip tie. We've hung, not here, we've actually hung projectors up in churches with simple zip ties. It's powerful. And you walked under them many times and didn't realize. (laughs) I probably shouldn't tell you that. Okay, anyway. But it's interesting. When it comes to the things of uh, of God, when it comes to changing and and being open and expanding, well, you can can be like a zip tie, which is good in, in a lot of ways, right? But how many of you know that once the zip tie... Once the function of the zip tie is accomplished, the function is over. Amen. Right? It's locked into place. There's no... Oh, yeah, that one's actually moving back. Oh, I went the wrong way. Sorry. There we go. All right. So now it's locked in place. So now if I ever wanted to use it for anything else, that's not going to happen. And if I need to, if I need to retrieve whatever it is binding, I have to actually do what to this? Cut it. Break it. It's no good. It's useless. But then there's this all, all, also this other really cool thing called the rubber band that can be used time and time and time again, and it's not really living its potential until it's stretched. See, as the children of God and as being members of the body of Christ, we've got to take on this kind of mentality, this kind of lifestyle, be willing to change. Be willing to move. Be willing to grow. 
Because God is building His church. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 a.m., 11 a.m., or 1 p.m., and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Please visit onecausechurch.com for location and events. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at One Cause Church. If you'd like to partner with our ministry, you can now donate securely online. Just click on the link located on the front page of our website at onecausechurch.com.